this is my baby, right? That I've put so much sweat, blood, tears into. And now like giving some of it to other people is a scary thing. But I've learned you have to do that. If you wanna grow, you have to let go of a little bit. You have to delegate. You can't do everything and you don't have time to do everything. If you are trying to make it work, you gotta build a tribe. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. On this show, I interview entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers, and help them tell their origin stories. The narratives they share are always inspiring, and it is so fun to get to know our neighbors better and hear about the great things they're up to. So I just love to share these stories, and I'm excited for today's guest because he is definitely known for helping kids gain confidence, break out of their shells, and do all sorts of fun things by bringing hip-hop dance into their lives. So welcome, welcome, Kioa De Los Reyes of Lost Tribe Dance to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. I don't think I have talked to anybody who has had a dance troupe before. So I'm so excited to hear about what Lost Tribe Dance is. Where are you located? What makes you different? Tell us all those great things. Yeah. So my name is Kioa and I run a hip hop dance studio. Uh, here in Rexburg, Idaho, and in Idaho Falls. So you have two locations. So we have uh, three-ish. <laughs> we rent out from two locations in Idaho Falls. Got it. Um, and what makes us different um, compared to other dance studios is all we do is hip hop. So kind of like a ballet school that specializes in ballet, we specialize just in the art form of hip hop. And I do that because that's what I am good at. And I'm good at teaching it. But I also wanted to give the kids and our students a place where it was safe for them to express their themselves uh, in a hip hop style or kind of. So way. why hip hop? That's a good question. Um, hip hop is so young. It's probably the youngest style of dance compared to ballroom ballet or contemporary. And kids love it. Kids are doing all these TikTok dances that involve hip hop movement, or they're watching all these cool uh, dance crews on World of Dance, yeah. on yeah. America's Got Talent. They're watching them at halftime shows for NBA games, or they're watching backup dancers perform for like the hottest hip hop stars, yeah. stars that they look up to, right? And you get the dancers in the back. So, and they're like, I want to do that. Oh, exactly. And yeah. we wanted to provide that for them in a way that that was safe. And I say that because a lot of parents, when they think of hip hop, they think of all the negative connotations that come with it, right? Sure. And, and hip hop isn't that. Yeah. There's so much good and it's so much fun and we can do that for them. So what was the inspiration? Like, have you, how long has this business been in business? So we are going on our third year, third year of business, but I've been teaching here for about eight years. Okay, because you've been with other dance troops or tell me about that. So I've been teaching at many different dance studios. Almost okay. every dance studio from Sugar City to Blackfoot, I've taught at or I was their hip hop instructor or their hip hop program. And what 
changed that was I ran a few different businesses before this one. So I've always wanted to start a business and, and run a business and do different things. But as I saw how many kids came and how much they paid and how much I got paid from the studio, I said to myself, I'm not making as much as the studios are. Why, why Wait a minute, don't there's a I, gap. Yeah, why don't I do this for myself? Yeah. And it was crazy that it took me like four businesses to realize why am I not doing my own studio? So tell me about that. So you, I mean, you don't have to go into the details of all your other businesses, but that did you like finally say, this is my passion. This is what I love. Why am I not doing it for myself? Yeah, I, I think a big one was I've done businesses before and never told my wife about I got it. the business <laughs> until it was already started and everything. And she was never happy with me. She was the one that actually brought this idea up, like, Kiowa, why? Why aren't you doing yeah, this? Why, you love dance. You love teaching kids. You love business. They're all going together. And I'm like, do I have your permission? She's like, uh, yeah, because I did not like the other businesses. So do you feel like this was something that you were going to always dance? Like that was just going to be a part of your life? No. Uh, I went to college. I graduated in communications. My whole thing behind all of this was I, my wife and I decided, you know, she would be a stay at home mom uh -huh. and she would raise the kids. And so they're old enough. She could go to work too. And she loves to work. But as I looked at every other studio in the area, a lot of them were women that were married to husbands who had full-time jobs. Right. Right. So they could afford to make some minor mistakes sure. or the risk wasn't as high. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it going, this has to work if I'm going to do it. And it really scared me sure. for years. And that's why I didn't do it. Sure. Scared me. So it wasn't until I got the approval from my wife and I knew she was going to support me 100%. I could go into this. It, I think that really makes a huge difference. you got to have somebody in your corner. A lot of times it is our family that's like, yeah. no way, do not do this. Um, so I'm so glad that you had your wife to say, go, go do this. Well, and she's came to a few of my workshops before. I've actually, I was her teacher at college. Oh, you were? In a dance class. And she didn't know until the day of, because I never told her. Um, and she saw the passion I had, not just for dance, but for teaching it to people and making people feel the same way I feel when I'm dancing. Yeah. And that's awesome. it was hard for her to not let me enjoy that. And, and, and make money from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you could. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what your background in dance has it always been hip hop or have you had other types of dance that you've done? Yeah. So uh, when it comes to hip hop, I actually didn't start dancing till after high school. Um, growing up, I did do some Polynesian dance. I grew up in Hawaii. I'm also of Hawaiian descent. So I grew up doing the hula, a little bit of that. I grew up doing some other Polynesian dances, um, but really my dance, I guess, career didn't start till I took my first hip hop workshop, and that was after high school. Uh huh. And then uh, you were hooked. I was hooked, <laughs> and and I was placed on a journey where, within a year, I went from learning how to dance hip hop to performing in front of America's best dance crew on tour. 40, 50,000 people. And I don't say that to boast. I just say that 
I've been blessed with a lot of opportunities that just came back to back to back. Yeah. And and it was awesome for me and it worked out for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what do you think as you have, because you have kids come into the studio, what do you feel like hip hop or dance in general, what skills do you feel like it teaches kids beyond just the dance? Yeah, so when it comes to our students, biggest thing is we want to make sure that they become better people because we know that in the future, they might not be a professional dancer, but they're going to be members of our community or someone's community. So confidence is a huge one. We want our kids to be confident in everything they do, even if it's not dance. Uh, taking instruction and working with the team is huge. Obviously, they have friends. They do other things, and we want them to be um, work team members. But the biggest one we we try to work with is creativity. And I think that is huge for us because now with technology and all these kids now having iPads, cell phones, we feel that there's a there's a loss in their creativity. Because they don't have to be creative. Because they don't. Yeah. You can ask Google how many cups are in a gallon. That's true. You, you can you can Thank get goodness. right you can get all your answers to you so quickly that sometimes we forget how to be creative. Yeah, so right? true. So that's something we push. And we push that by allowing them to work on something we call freestyle or, or improv and other dances where we play music and we tell them, hey, just go for just it. Just go for it. And, and there's nothing wrong. You can do things again, but be creative. Let your let those creative juices just go. And, and there's no wrong. Yeah. Right. Because normally kids go to a class, they learn moves, they learn a combo, they learn an eight count. And don't get me wrong. I love teaching eight counts and eight counts are important. But if they're learning just to do a step by step, they're not learning how they're to They're kind of boxed their, into that. Right. And they're not learning how to create their own steps. Yeah. To yeah. be their own person. And yeah. that's what we want them to be. We want them to be the best Brad or the best Justin they can be. Right. So do you feel like those other t- styles of dance, do they influence what you do at the studio? Or is it, um, especially with your own training with hula and all that kind of stuff, does that incorporate with hip hop? I think culture for me does because hip hop itself is its own culture. Okay. Right. Just like the Hawaiian culture is its own culture. We have our own language in hip hop, especially with dance. We have our own language and you'll hear it when I teach. I don't teach to a one, five, six, seven, eight. I teach to a boom, cap, da, 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 ha, ha. Right. There's a lot of different sound effects and it's not because there aren't numbers or counts to it. It's because there's different speeds. There's different types of harder hits. The intensity is different. So our sound effects help us understand how hard and how quick we need to hit that move. Hmm. Whereas in other styles, you don't, you don't get That's that. Not, yeah, that right? you're not hitting a move harder than the other. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even when you go to one of our shows, we want you to make noise. We want you to say their name. We want you to catcall because that helps us dance better. Whereas in other styles, they already tell you beforehand, Please applaud later. Please <laughs> right. no cat calling. Right. And I have to remind our audience. Do it. We, yeah, we need it. Be loud, please. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think that helps with that creativity. It, it does. just lets your mind go and you're not so boxed in. Love it. So how many instructors do you have in your studios? So as of right now, I have four instructors. Okay. And then there's me. So there's five of us. And I have two social media interns from the college. Okay, great. So I got one, I got two male instructors, 
two female instructors, myself and our two social media interns. And with how we work, we have boys classes and girls classes and they're taught by that gender. Okay. So our guy instructors teaches all the boys classes, vice versa with the girls. And we do that because we feel it's better that they learn from their gender. Uh Um, At least until a certain age, Mm -hmm. right? Because it makes them comfortable. Yeah. Right. A lot of times there aren't a lot of male instructors. A lot of boys have to learn from females and there's nothing wrong with that. But as a young five-year-old, if you're learning from a, you know, a, a woman, it's probably going to be a little bit more feminine yeah, style. And, yeah. and that's a natural thing. Yeah, sure. Um, but we want to make sure that our boys are, are learning styles that they also enjoy. Yeah. Right. And we also have a breakdance instructor that just focuses on a breakdance break classes. Breakdance is still a thing. It's still a thing. I love it. And we still do it on cardboard sometimes. Okay. That's <laughs> even better. Do you have, do you use outside instructors or choreography ever or have like clinics where people come in? Yes, we we actually try to keep everything in-house when it comes to choreography, but we do workshops where other choreographers come in. Got we it. actually have someone coming in this Saturday from Salt Lake City. Uh-huh. We had our camp back in July and we had two, we had a guy from LA and a guy from Portland, Oregon. So we, we do bring in outside choreographers and that's because we want to make sure that they understand that there are different styles Yeah, that people vibe and dance differently. And, yeah. we, want, and we want people to take from all these people so they can understand, hey, I can learn differently too. I can dance differently too. Like there's almost no wrong yeah. in hip hop. Yeah. It's not just your style. It can, right. It's That's the great thing about hip hop. Yep. It just can be whatever. That's great. So do you have competitive teams? We do. Yeah. So we have a youth competitive team. We have a young boys competitive team. We have a adult slash college hip hop crew. And we just started a adult slash college contemporary company. And right now, three of those compete. Like we went to World of Dance Las Vegas last December. That's cool. Um, and then right now we are planning on Hip Hop International, which is one of the biggest hip hop competitions in the world. And where is it held? That one is held in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Okay, so there isn't any hip hop 50 year old ladies. <laughs> there isn't, although it's funny that you mentioned that we've been getting a lot of messages lately about adults yeah. asking if there are adult classes. Yeah. So we're trying to see if we can make that work. Yeah. Because, I mean, we think of young kids dancing hip hop, but we forget anyone can do this. Well, and hip hop's been around long enough now that there are some of those people have aged out exactly. of that gen- of that group that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're talking 80s, like 80s and 90s. <laughs> that's when it started. And the cool thing about hip hop is there's no stereotype. There's no, you don't have to be skinny. Yeah. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be this gender or ethnicity or this. It's a more inclusive kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. for everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I love it. Well, I, of course, I have to ask you how COVID has affected this dance season. So tell me, you know, I mean, since last spring and even into the summer, it sounds like you were able to have at least your July camp. Mm-hmm. But how has this affected the business? Yeah. So when COVID hit in March, right, when it really hit and closed down schools and everything, we made a decision to shut down our studio and go virtual, which was a very difficult situation because we had never done online classes. Right. Um, we didn't know what we were getting into, but we we knew we wanted to be part of the solution, right? 
So we decided to do that. That same week that we closed down, we filmed 75 YouTube videos. Oh my gosh. Because I wanted to get as much done. I, I wasn't just planning for the next week or the week after that. I was planning for it was gonna be a, a month to a month in advance, uh-huh. right? And then from there I could see, okay, where are we headed? Are we gonna have a final show? But luckily we opened back up May 1st with uh, the first stage or the first phase of yeah. Idaho's reopening. Yeah. And we were able to obviously put in different protocols for our studio involving masks, six feet distance, parents, siblings couldn't watch, the whole shebang. And we still had our show. And you we, did. All we lost was three students in that whole process. That's great. And a big part of that is because of our parents. Uh-huh. They were awesome in this process. But we were able to have our final show. It was a performance at the Madison Junior High School. People came. That's we awesome. We continue with, uh, with our camp. We had a show for that camp. So everything's been pretty smooth. and Well, good for you. Yes, because yeah. we know, I, I know a lot of different studios that did go under, that yeah. had to close down. And, and that, my heart breaks because a lot of these studio owners, they've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. And then they have to close down. And even if you're going to close down, this is not the way you want to do no, it. No, exactly. Kind of forced. And, to, and kind of leaving your students in a lurch because we all pulled the plug so quickly. Right. Yeah, that's rough. So do you think this has been the most challenging thing that you fo- you've faced in the business? Or that is there I, something else? I don't think it was the most challenging, although I think it was a very scary moment. Yeah. It wasn't so much a scary experience. It was a scary moment of, ooh, is this it? Is this how we end? Um, but like I said before, parents were awesome. Kids were still coming. And we were able to pull out of it. I think the the hardest part is like any studio, like any business is getting your numbers to increase every year. Mm-hmm. And that became a thing of, okay, we're going into our third year after our end of our second year was a little interesting. Are we going to get students back? Yeah. Right. And we did. Yeah. And we got more students. And so how did that happen? Is that by word of mouth or is that by the work that you're doing on social media? How do people know about you? I think it's a lot of different things. Um, in our area, where it's a little bit smaller, word of mouth is huge. Yeah. And that's actually how we got we get most of our students. Retention is huge, especially in a studio, because that's how you keep your numbers up. And then we have put money into advertising over Facebook, Instagram. Um, and a lot of numbers have came from that. And we're still getting numbers now. Um, we have new kids trying classes out today. And are, is it too late for them to join classes? It's not. Okay. Nope, it's never too late. Um, it kind of puts them in a different situation because we do have a Christmas show in December, but they can still be in the pieces. They might not be in all of it, but they'll be in whatever pieces they can learn. Yeah. Um, and we kind of do it by like semesters. So we have our, sh- our Christmas show in December, and then in January we start again. And especially with how our boys' classes work, we still take boys because their sports are just ending right about oh, now. Right. Football's yeah. ending, soccer's ending. Yeah. Um, and boys are about 60, 65% of our studio. Isn't that fun? So they're a huge part of it and we still keep it open so they can be a part of it. Cause what's better than doing sports and dance? Yeah. Right. I think they complement each other. Very I well. love to hear that statistic that you have that many boys. Oh, How so do fun I. is that? It's, it's awesome, especially in this area where it, is not 
a thing where, you know, boys grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to dance. Right. It's your typical, I'm going to grow up playing, playing sports yes. and everything. Yes. And we're, it's awesome to be a studio where we can be an option yeah. for them. Yeah. To, and it's still cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, totally yeah. cool. If you're spinning on your head or doing anything, <laughs> it's very cool. Do you think it helps them in sports? Oh, I think it does help them in sports um, because I, I still play sports now. And I've played sports all growing up in high school. And I think it helps you loosen up. And sometimes that's a weird thing to hear from a sports um, aspect, but it helps you understand what your body can do. Yeah. And the biggest thing for us Mm -hmm. is to teach our dancers to know their bodies. Because if you know your bodies, you almost know yourself. Yeah. And sometimes people come out of it going, oh, I didn't know my body could do that. And imagine if you knew that years ago, right? You would know your limits, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you're a better athlete, you're a better dancer. Yeah, that's awesome, I love it. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. I wanna know about how did you know you could be successful in business? Was this business successful right off the bat? I didn't ask you that, was it? Yeah, it was. And I, I think the big part of it was because of how I went into the business. Like I said before, I. I've been teaching since 2012, so eight years, right, in the area. Um, And that builds a following. So right when I got- You already had people. Exactly. Uh. So once I got into actually starting my own thing, I already had students. Yeah. And they jumped on board with my studio. And luckily, most of the other studios were okay with it. Yeah. Because they love what I do. They love what I teach. So it wasn't difficult. And we were already in profits our first year. Now- not every business starts like that. And sometimes it takes time. And I'm still learning that, yeah, especially right. with my generation and the future generation. We want instant results. And I think with running a business, you can't expect instant. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. You have to expect growth. Yeah. And growth. There is a grind in yes. order to oh, get to You got to hustle. Yeah. Uh, my first year, I did not get sleep. I was still working other jobs. My main income wasn't my studio, right? I worked other jobs because I knew the next year I was going to pay myself more. And I knew the year after that, I was going to pay myself more. Yeah. And the cool thing about running a business is you can get to a certain point where the business runs itself. Like, I don't know if people know, my wife was due yesterday and she (laughs) hasn't given birth yet. But because of how I have laid my studio out. I have people covering my classes, my teams. I don't have to be at the studio for the next two weeks. Yeah, isn't that great? I can can be with my kids and I can help my wife out, help with the new baby. Something we haven't had before. Yeah. And and it's something that a lot of people get to experience, especially the fathers. And I'm happy to have this time to do that. Yeah. And the business did that for me. I, I think there are some such great things about being a business owner and that flexibility is definitely yes. one of them. But the flip of the same side of that coin or the flip side of that coin is you do have to work. Like it's not just given to you. You have to work. Right. And and the first, our first year, you know, I told myself I'm tired of this nine to five job. And then it became a 24 <laughs> seven Right. You don't job. have the nine, four, nine to five I couldn't five let anymore. my phone go down. Parents messaging me, kids messaging me, this and that. And you have to respond. Yeah. And the first year is a grind. It's a hustle. But if you put the work in, the passion is there, it works out. And it's 
it's awesome. It's so amazing. I love it. Well, did you ever have feelings of doubt? Like, did you ever wonder like, what the crap have I done? All the time. I, do you still? And I see. Yeah, <laughs> I still wonder that even right now with the business running itself, because now that the business is running itself, I'm putting really my business in the hands of my instructors, in the hands of my directors. This is my baby, right? That I've put so much sweat, blood, tears into that now like giving some of it to other people is a scary thing. But I've learned you have to do that. Yeah. If you want to grow, you have to let go of a little bit. You have to delegate. You can't do everything. Right. And you don't have time to do everything. Right. If you are trying to make it work, you got to build a tribe. And if the tribe understands the why and they're with you, it is an amazing journey and an amazing experience. Yes, things are going to happen and they always do, right? But it is so rewarding beyond the finances because now I get time with my family. Now I get to see my instructors and directors grow because they get more leadership opportunities. So for people wanting to start businesses or maybe are in the beginning of their businesses, grind through, hustle. That's gotta be the word for you. You gotta hustle. If you don't hustle, it's not gonna work out. Passion is awesome. Passion is awesome and that's the drive, but you gotta hustle. And what I tell my dancers is, it's awesome if you're talented, but I will take the hard worker or the hard, hardworking dancer over the talented dancer any day because talent will take a break and hard work won't. And I have dancers that never danced before and they're the most hard work, hardworking dancers and I'll take them over other dancers any day Yeah, because I, I know I can count on them because talent, talent will take a break all the time. Yeah, I love that. Well, where did that hustle and drive come from? Did you come from a family who were entrepreneurs? Like, did you see this in your own life or where did this come from? Yeah. So when it comes to my family, I come from two parents who are of Asian descent. My dad is half Hawaiian, half, half Filipino. And I have to mention that because there are a ton of Asians in Hawaii that live in Hawaii. And the reason for that is because they came over from Asian countries to work the plantations. Okay. Right now that influences how they work and how they grow up because now they have the mentality of, I do my job. I do it. Well, I get paid. I get paid. Well, my kids go to college to get a good job. I did not grow up in a entrepreneurial. Uh, like That setting. would have been too scary. Right. Yeah. And my parents would have said, no, <laughs> yeah. Go get your four-year degree so you can get paid X amount in a year. Yeah. And have the I, insurance and right, all of the security. The, the benefits and, yes. and this and that, which is an awesome thing. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But as I got into different jobs where it was a nine to five and I was getting paid well, I didn't come home satisfied. Got it. I didn't come home happy. And sometimes it was so bad. I came home mentally drained to where I didn't want to spend time with my kids or my wife. And it was at that point I realized, okay, I gotta be doing something I love. Cause if I do that, I can figure out a way to make the money. So that's what I went for. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I got my degree in communications. I got a minor in dance and they have helped me in many different ways. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you don't need a degree or a course to start a business. You just 
have to do it. And are you going to make mistakes? Uh, yeah, you'll make a ton of mistakes. And I even talked to studio owners. I interviewed multiple studio owners before I started my own business. And I still ran into many different walls. And I think that's part of the journey. That's part of the profit yeah. uh, process. That That is what makes you, you as a studio owner. And it has built me. And I've made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But I've made my apologies or I fixed it and we move on. And we learn from it and we grow. And I'm still doing that now. Yeah, It's only our third year. So we're definitely going to run into different walls. But it's how you come out of it and how you get move forward from it. So what is the future for Lost Tribe Dance? You're talking about, you know, this is only your third year. Where are you guys going to go? What does it look like? Uh, there's so many different ways we could go. I, I, we, we're going to add more students for sure. We're going to establish ourselves more in different areas like Idaho Falls. We're a lot stronger in Rexford because that's where my following was. But we are going to definitely expand more in IF. My goal is to have more studios, have more locations. My big goal is to get into Boise. Okay. But right now, the the goal is to own this area. Yeah, right. right? Do this area well. Yeah. And when then... it comes to hip hop, do this area well and then get into Boise and put Idaho on the map when it comes to national or international competitions. Yeah, it's probably not the first state that somebody thinks about around hip hop. It's so honestly not even the first state <laughs> people think of when they hear we're from Idaho. They're like Iowa. I know. I don't no, understand. No, 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 no. Above of Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how have we have how have you done in competition? We've done very well. We've gone to different competitions in different locations. We got second in a competition called Monsters of Hip Hop in Las Vegas. Um, People loved our performance at World of Dance Las Vegas. So now people are starting to hear about us, yeah. know about us. And, yeah. and in the hip hop community, that's huge because uh-huh. there's a lot of earning respect. And, and we're, we've done it. We're still doing it. It's, you know, it's a process. But we, we are blessed and we're happy to represent Idaho because Idaho's full There's of, some talent oh, here. There are so, yeah. There's so much talent. Yeah. There's just no one to teach them the techniques and the styles of hip hop. Yeah. And people always ask me, they're like, Keo, why, why is studio in hip like in Idaho? Why don't you do it in Portland where you learned or Salt Lake City? And I'm like, why not Idaho? Yeah. And at first I was scared to start it here in Idaho because I thought, are there enough students? Uh-huh. Are is there enough interest? But obviously I realized that from when I was teaching classes that you already saw it. there is interest yeah. and I can do my own thing and do it my way. And I'm not saying the other way was bad, but I wanted to focus not so much on dancing, but on the kids yeah. and how we could make them better. And I think that's why students, families, parents stay with us because they know that their son is learning how to become a better man. They're learning that their daughter is learning how to respect herself and, and others. And that's what we want. Now you have, you have two kids, you said. Yes. Are they of age to participate in hip hop? One is. And so how old? she's five. Okay. And she's been dancing with us all three years, even before she technically yeah. could start. And she would even dance in the boys classes because there wasn't a class for her. 
And sometimes she thinks she runs <laughs> of course the she class. Does. <laughs> and I'm like, she's Gigi, a bossy little thing, huh? I, I'm 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 the instructor here. <laughs> and I'm not dad right now. Like I'm instructing you guys, and you're one of the students as well. But the plan is for her to teach. Yeah. That that was a huge part of it. I wanted to give my kids a a way to make money to teach and still be a part of the business. But I'm not forcing them to dance. If they want to dance, that's their choice. It's if, they there. Want, if they want to play sports, awesome. Yeah. I will be at your games. But how fun it is to have oh. them be able to be a part of what you're doing. It's it's so much fun. And even when they're not dancing, like my three-year-old, she will come with my wife and bring me dinner. And she will join me in my classes and say hi to everyone. And she's a part of the environment. So it's fun because although they're not working for me right now, it's still a family business. Yeah, They still see dad running things, leading things. And hopefully it processes for them that they can run businesses too. Themselves, yeah. Right? So how old do these kids have to be in order to start hip hop? Five? Four. Four, okay. They can start at four. Obviously there's a few factors like potty trained. <laughs> yes, if, I hope they are. One, if they will even pay attention. Yes. So... We offer, like, their first classes are on us at the studio. Just so you could assess. Right. Because as much as we would love to have more kids, if it's not going to work out for them, it just doesn't work out. And we don't want that to be a thing at yeah. our studio where we just take any kid possible. Yeah. We want it to be workable in both both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine that could be a little bit disruptive if they were yes. doing their own thing. Yep. It's different than T-ball when they can be out there picking grass. They've <laughs> got to be a part of this team yes yep. all right so i want to know is there anything that we haven't we've talked about a ton of stuff and my head is going all over the place so i'm not sure if i have caught everything but is there anything you want to share with the listeners before i let you go yeah i think one of the biggest things uh when it comes to starting a business or maybe trying to figure out what you want to do um passion is a huge thing right and i tell everyone this because I can honestly say I love Mondays and most people can't say that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the weekends, but on Sunday nights, I'm itching to get back to work because I love it so much. And for me, it's not work. It, it's fun. Now, I'm not going to say that 24 hours a day, it's dandelions and sugar plum fairies <laughs> and you know everything like that. And it's not, but I love it. And so passion is huge. Now, you gotta have that entrepreneurial mindset. You gotta want to make money. You gotta want things to improve. You gotta be about the numbers. Because if you're just about passion, you're not gonna make it. It, right. it is a business. You end up right? giving stuff away when it's just, right. yeah. Uh -huh. And I've been asked that before, like, hey, can we trade this for this? Or can I pay later or this? And honestly, I run a business. Yeah. And if you respect me, you'll understand that that's not the way we're doing it at my studio. Yeah. And and people respect that. Yeah. And they want that. Um, I rose our prices went up for tuition this year. And people were asking, really? Like you're gonna do that here where we live in this part of Idaho? I'm like, yes, because I know what we're worth. Mm -hmm. And they said, Why are you doing that? And I told them, because I'm paying my instructors more now. They deserve it. And your kid deserves it, mm -hmm. right? So when you can get passion, that business mindset in, 
and then you add the last little bit of hustle, everything's going to work out. And even when it doesn't work out the time, your passion is going to kick in and let you know, hey, this is where it's going. Like, this is what's going on. You got this. Yeah. And when your passion is up and you maybe your numbers aren't, your business, your business mindset has to come in and go, listen, it's about the numbers right now. We got to get numbers. How can we push to get this? How can we make this ad creative to get this many students, right? And I think the big part of making everything work out for any business is your tribe. Who do you hire? Who's teaching your kids, right? Would you trust them with your own kid? How your spouse or your significant other, do they support you? Do your immediate family support? And when they all support you, there's nothing that can stop you. Yeah. Because if there's any fallbacks, they will catch you. You're right. They will Because not be every there. day, like you said, is wonderful. You're no. going to have days you're going to need a little push. Oh, you're going to have some hard days where you feel like giving up. Even if you're not in the worst situation, and I've been there before. I'm, I'm, I wasn't losing money. I was, it was a very hard day. Yeah. And my wife is always there to go, babe, why do you do this? You got it. For the kids. Yeah. Well, think of them. Stop thinking of you. Think of them. And then it works out. Yeah. Good. So I think if you have all of those ingredients, you can make a special treat and a treat that will bless not just you and your own immediate family, something that will bless the community. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Well, it's clear you are doing that, uh, Kiwa. I appreciate your passion. It's clear you have a passion for the youth of our committee and for, of our community and for the personal growth through dance and hard work. So keep it up. Um, keep working to inspire others to achieve something that they didn't think they can do. Cause I imagine you do that on a pretty regular basis. Oh yeah. If you got me in a hip hop class, I would be like, I cannot <laughs> do this. It's yet to be proven that I could, but I believe you could teach me. Oh, and you can see the the thing is with adults. And I always joke with them. Like, I'm like, Hey, when are you going to take class? <laughs> yeah. And they always go, Oh no, I can't dance. And I'm like, it's cause you haven't had someone teach you and you got to realize it's not about three, five minute performance. It's just taking one step. One step at a time and open up that creativity. Yep. I love it. We'll keep it up. We'll keep an eye out on you and your students and all the great things you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder, East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you're in need of automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, come see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the business leadership moment. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the business leadership moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is the East Idaho Business Conference, and it is coming up, guys, November 5th and 6th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, please do so, and I hope to see you there. Go to IdahoRiseCon.com for more information. Okay, uh, you know, you guys are aware that I'm a registered nurse. I have shared that before. I was thinking about uh, human nature, and one of the examples that I saw in nursing, uh, I felt like helped tell the story that I want to share with you today. So I had this great physician that I got to work with, and we, um, at the time, we were in charge of the inpatient rehab unit. And so our job was to 
bring patients, you know, that had had traumatic events, strokes or major, uh, you know, head trauma or some type of accident and help them rehabilitate physically back to uh, their you know, pre-injury status or the best that we could get them to get them home. So they had to meet certain criteria in order to come because they were working really hard, had to participate in therapy for three hours. It was a big deal. So our physician would go and uh, evaluate these patients to see if they were appropriate to come to our unit. And one of the things that always happened was he would come back and he would give me this laundry list of why it wouldn't work to bring this patient to our particular unit. You know, there were all these complications and blah, 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 just lots of stuff um, that was rather negative about the case and about this patient's um, ability to participate and pro- progress. So I would, you know, be like, wow. And I'd take a look at the patient and I would see it differently. And And what I knew about this particular physician that I worked with is that he really looked at things with a critical eye. And now I totally get that, right? Because we want to be realistic in the goals that we're setting. But what I do know about us as humans is that we are naturally negatively, negative-seeking creatures. We we kind of love to look at things and see what's wrong with it. And especially in healthcare, we're trained that way because we learn all of the normals so that we can point out the abnormals and then we can treat those things. So, you know, he was doing his job and that's the way he was trained. But on top of this human nature that we already have for seeking, negative seeking, um, it just made it so uh, we were always kind of at odds with who the patients were that we were going to bring up. So I totally get how our evolution has helped us kind of become these negative individuals. We were worried, you know, back in the day that we were going to get eaten. And so we were always on the, we were always on the lookout for anything that might be um, coming out of the bushes at us, you know, to hit our tribe. And so we're wired to look for the things that are wrong and not necessarily the things that are right. Um, our ancestors were definitely pessimists. And so we definitely have this negativity bias that it's tough, especially for those who are more prone to be negative. Because what happens is you kind of just are, um, you become kind of super annoying to the other people around you. Um, I these are the individuals that when we sit through meetings, you know, I've done this PowerPoint presentation and I poured my whole heart into this presentation and I have my slides up on there and I've made one spelling mistake and that's all they can focus on. And they wait until the end of the thing to come and tell me what I did wrong. Or you send an email and somebody points out some spelling error or grammatical thing, or you you know, you're sitting in a meeting and somebody makes sure that the negative thing is pointed out. So I get it. I get it. You know, in some ways it helps us get better, but it is, it does become super annoying to always be around um, us if that's the tendency that we have. That's always negative, that there's something always wrong. And the problem with that is that there's a hundred things that are right in all of those scenarios, and we miss it. We miss the opportunity to look out a picture window and see some great thing because we're 
annoyed with the stain that's on the wall or or whatever the case may be. We miss the joy that comes from our little kids being in our room and just playing with us because, you know, they've got dirt on their face or whatever the case may be. We miss learning when we're in a meeting or whatever that might be because we're focused on the thing that's wrong. So what I want to say to you is we've got to stop this. Um, I get it that it's human nature and I am not here to tell you that I'm any different because there are days that I'm specifically looking for the bad stuff, but that's the challenge. We're going to find what we're looking for and we see the negative stuff because we're looking for it. So we got to shift that thinking and look for the positive things. Now, negativity has a stronger draw on us. It's actually three times stronger than the positive things. So it's definitely a fight. You absolutely have to seek the positive. It's not a natural thing. You have to, you have to really work at it. So what are some of the things that we can do to, to change that in our lives? Well, one of them is to be proactive. Be aware of what you're looking for and focus on in an itch, in a situation what's you know what's the success with this or what progress did we make or what little moments of joy can I take out of this and you have to intentionally do this because your mind's going to go straight to the negative stuff so intentionally look and be proactive look for the things that you can focus on that are good um, in a situation you can ask yourself what do I agree with or what is good in this situation and kind of change that mindset as you're looking at something. And another thing that I would ask that I think just could take us all to the next level, especially in these days, is to praise publicly and criticize privately. Um, You know, I don't, I have never yet seen anybody who has been convinced that I'm right because I drafted this beautiful, eloquent email back to them, or I corrected them openly in a meeting where it, you know, made them feel less than, Um, or, you know, all of you have seen it on Facebook when people decide to get into a, I'm going to teach you something and here it is. It rarely convinces people. So I think what we've got to look at is making sure that we are publicly praising and privately criticizing. And if we if we have to criticize, do it in a way that, you know, here's my perspective on how this happened. I'm not sure if it, if, you know, it matters to you, but this is how I felt when you said this, and maybe we could change this up or, Hey, Renee, your spelling really stinks. Please do that to me in private. Cause that's actually true. Thank goodness for spell check. Um, So I hope that we are able to create a reputation of being more of a builder upper rather than a wrecker downer, Um, that as we go through this life and we tend to want to look at things negatively, um, that we can see the great things. You know, if we had always done that with all of the patients that we helped, we probably wouldn't have taken any of them. And I think of the thousands of people's lives that I was able to be a part of in seeing them progress and improve and return, you know, better than we found them um, because of the work that we were able to do, help them get home and, and hopefully live the lives that they wanted to live post traumatic event. So again, look for the good in people, guys. Be that builder instead of the wrecker. All right, we'll take care and we'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.